Welcome back to Buff Hub, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm your host, Steve Vega. Thank you so much again for joining me this weekend. Um, well, guys, I mean, <laughs> another week, uh, another day, and man, headlines just keep going on and on about a bunch of nonsense, and I'm, <laughs> I'm hoping this is going to be a breath of fresh air uh, for you as Bills fans. Um, that's what I'm trying to do with this podcast uh, today. And so I want to talk about top five most expendable bills. Um, now, I it, this was a really hard topic for me to tackle. Number one, because um, the roster right now as it stands, yes, can it be better? Absolutely. But, I mean, one game away from the AFC Championship again, clearly the Bills could have easily won the Super Bowl this year. So, how much do you actually want to change? I'm going to go with not so much. <laughs> you know, I really think that, you know, the formula that the Bills have at the moment, um, you know, it works. It really does. It's just when you look at the, the teams that they just let themselves, you know, trip over throughout the regular season, it does make you wonder, what what's missing, right? Uh, is this, can this team win a Super Bowl? But also, can this team get the number one seed? I feel like that's a good measuring stick going into next season. And um, so I hope this topic starts to, I guess, bring some light, uh, you know, to this to this topic of who the Bills need to move on from and whatnot. And you're going to give some of my opinions on, <laughs> you know, where I stand with this. So number one, uh, we're going to start off here. Um, Mario Addison, right? Um, I'm getting straight to it. it. It's hard, right? You 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 just feel as though the Bills and their cap space and with everything that's going on, I, I I could literally sit here and try to get into the dead cap, try to get into um, the salary cap. But clearly, after how many transactions the bill the bills accomplished and uh, where they ended up standing going into this last year, it, it really just felt as though the the salary cap is a myth. <laughs> I, I think I think definitely the bills are in the running for a marquee free agent as a pass rusher. You look at Jones, um, coming out of Arizona. I, I, I definitely feel that the bills are trying to eye him and, and bring him over to Buffalo and try to win a championship. That's, that's literally what the Buffalo bills needs. And I think, you know, that's going to be that extra gear that the bills are going to have, um, when the pass rush is very much needed against a guy like Patrick Mahomes, um, and, and all these speed receivers that are, you know, starting to, you know, come about and, um, look, I, I want to keep Jerry Hughes. I, I feel as though it's funny. I was like looking at, um, Reddit <laughs> and, uh, one some, a Bills fan was saying he's like a hunting dog. He like sets up the kill, you know, he finds them, he, he rounds them up and then, you know, everyone else just gets around the prey and, you know, they accomplish the job, right. Or the hunt. And, and I feel as though that's definitely why I wouldn't want to move on from Jerry Hughes. Although he may not accomplish the, you know, what you wish to have be, have that marquee, you know, pass rushing guy who's just polarizing like a JJ Watt. He definitely sets up the alley oop. It's just you're wondering, you know, he's one of like nine players on the defensive line. Who else is gonna step up? You got first round picks there, um, second round picks, and you you bring in another free agent that's familiar with the Sean McDermott system, and it it, it just goes to show you that uh the Bills need help at this position, and I don't think moving on from Jerry Hughes is, is the right idea. Uh, they, they, they played a lot of heavy rotation, um, and, but look at this, though. He had 42 pressures on the season, which obviously, you know led to 1.5 sacks, but it, it's really hard to compare him to a guy like a Robert Quinn because 
Robert Quinn had 42 pressures too, and he had 16 and a half sacks. All right. So different playing styles, but nonetheless getting pressure. Easily could have, you know, set someone else up to get these sacks, to get quarterbacks on the ground more often. And you look at when the Bills had that amazing season where it was just sack season, right? I mean, the offense was, you know, still kind of abysmal, but uh, you look at with Mario Williams, you know, Kyle Williams and Marcel Darius and uh, just having, and Jerry Hughes, I mean, on that squad too, you just having that, you know, front four, it, how do you stop it? You know what I mean? And, and that, that was the thing. We look at what the Bills have now, and you're wondering, man, what, what if the Bills had that now? <laughs> I mean, it's like all of those four pieces all involved. I mean, I mean, it would have been incredible, an incredible sight to see. But, uh, you know, Jerry Hughes, he's just, I just feel like he fits the Buffalo Bills mold. I think he's just literally one season away from people remembering him as an absolute legend. Uh, he, he just has to have that other guy on the other side who can open up opportunities for him, you know? Okay, so moving on to number two, uh, Star Latulale. So I'm not ranking them, by the way. I'm literally just saying one through five, five players. <laughs> I'm not saying some are better than the other. Like there, there's a lot of different aspects to what goes into ranking a player, and I don't think it's fair to rank a defensive lineman to a offensive lineman. You know what I mean? So it's two different situations. And so Star Latulale had a rough season, obviously due to COVID, um, coming off a season where, well, he just obviously wasn't there. And, you know, he, he, it looked as though he was going to come off, you know, uh, the, the off season, just ready to just rumble and do his thing. And to a certain extent, I definitely think he did, but you started to see the emergence of horrible Harry and he became a very solid option you know, at the interior defensive line. Um, you know, and, and here's the thing though, as, as much as I want to put him on this list, I'm also going to say, I don't think it's realistic to move on from him. Uh, because I think the dead cap hit's going to be way too high. Um, him in particular is going to be way too high. So give him another season to get more acclimated. I think he's going to be fine. Uh, I know a lot of people aren't Starla Tulele fans, but I'm bringing up him because (laughs) I mean, we have to talk about this right? Um, you know, Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean are looking at, you know, options on, you know, what they're going to try to do to revamp, you know, this team in some kind of way to get them over the hump. That is the Kansas city chiefs again (laughs) in the playoffs. Um, and you're, you're looking at what the Cincinnati Bengals have done and, and they just have a very stout defensive line. They picked up Hendrickson, you know, in, in the off season. And clearly he was the difference, uh, that, that defensive line needed when they needed to play, when they needed pressure, he definitely delivered. Um, and, and, and so you're wondering, right? I think these players on the defensive line are just getting a bad rep because they just need that other guy on the other side. Um, so yeah, but yeah, Star Tule is still on that list. I mean, if you're, if we're going to be real, I think he's definitely out of five players on the roster. He's definitely in that five that is expendable. I definitely think that Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean are looking at how they could, if there's another option out there to fill the void if he's gone. All right. So number three, I really feel as though after last year coming out of the AFC championship, John Feliciano seriously regressed and it sucks. Um, I think his personality and his grit, you know, it's, it's very key 
to what this offensive line needs. But then <laughs> here comes Spencer Brown. Here comes Ike Bucker, Ryan Bates, and, you know, Daryl Williams gets switched to the inside. Like, it, it's it's so wild. You know what I mean? And I'm looking at John Feliciano's situation, and it is not looking good for him uh, to finish off his career in Buffalo. I think he still has some Raider blood in him. <laughs> I have a feeling he's probably going to make his way back to Las Vegas if they would like to have him. But... As far as being a, you know, starting offensive lineman for the Buffalo Bills, I guarantee you he is definitely on the list of players that the Bills are looking to move on from. Uh, it's you know when you have a guy like him where you invest into him and if you're forcing the organization uh, to get creative and then shuffle the entire line all season, it just goes to show you. And you know PFF did a little uh, research on the Buffalo Bills actually for the entire NFL, and I thought the Bills were going to be a lot lower, but based off of how the Bills were able to, um, you know, fix up their situation at offensive line throughout the rest of the year after it was abysmal for the first half. Uh, the Bills were actually ranked, I guess, around the, around the middle of the pack at 17. Um, still, you know, out of 32 teams, pretty low from what you would want, especially for a team that you would like to see, you know, prevail at a Super Bowl challenge. You know, but they figured it out, and it le- it was led by Spencer Brown, um, you know, and Mitch Morse and Deion Dawkins. Uh, Deion Dawkins had a, you know, had a solid season. I think a lot of people had a bone to pick with him, obviously, but, uh, you can't ping that on him. (laughs) I really think that he gets respect around the league. That's why he was in the Pro Bowl. And that's something that, you know, he deserves respect. He had a 77.5, uh, rating, uh, per PFF. Whereas Ike Brooker, who was left guard had 59.8. Mitch Morris had 63.8. Dara Williams had 67.5. And Spencer Brown actually had a 62.5. So you look at, you know, the contribution that, um, you know, happened throughout the entire season, you definitely have to get credit where it's due. Like you can't, it, it's kind of like saying that Josh Allen is mediocre because of the game he had against Jacksonville. No, clearly no one was ready to jump off the Josh Allen bandwagon because they knew it was just a bad game where the offensive line was abysmal. It's the same thing with any other player on this team. You can't just judge him based off of a group effort that was abysmal, horrible, atrocious. And that happened a lot in certain situations with different players. Um, Deion Dawkins in particular is one of those situations where I think he got very, very, uh, I think wrongfully criticized for how abysmal this offensive line was for a good part of the season. And, um, you know, we're looking at the continuity going into next year. I think it's definitely going to be there. Are there going to be options, you know, going into the draft? Absolutely. I think they definitely should look into interior defensive line. You look at Mitch Morris. I don't know how many years he has left. I am still baffled that he's staying in after all the concussions um, he's had to, you know, deal with um, throughout the last couple of years in his tenure with the Buffalo Bills. But um, here we are, still have him. Um, so let's move on. Number four. Okay. So. I, uh, I'm not biased about him. I actually feel bad that I have to put him on this list. AJ Epinesa, because of, you know, the situation at large, like the bills go into last season in the draft and get two pass rushers and Gregory Rousseau and uh, Boogie Basham. 
And it's almost like they're sending a message to AJ Epinesa, like, we need to get something out of you. But I feel like as the, what happened was kind of unfair to him, where they get him in the second round, and everyone's expecting him to, you know, explode off the tape. He did not explode off his tape in his tenure, you know, in college with Iowa. Like, he was not that guy. He, he's not that guy. You're not that guy. Like, he, he literally is a run-of-the-mill rotational player. And I think that's just the best you're going to get out of him. Maybe he proves everyone wrong going into next year. Um, and there's tremendous, up, tremendous upside none of us can really see. But I feel for the NFL, you just got to be a little bit quicker, a little more stronger. And I just don't know if the scheme with the bills really provides that opportunity for him. Um, you know, it's, I don't know what, I don't know which team would be able to take AJ Epinesa in and basically turn it upside down to where he is a, you know, force to be reckoned with. I, re I really don't know if, you know, he's going to have that opportunity in the NFL after this um, tenure with the Buffalo Bills. I really do think it's winding down for him. Let, you know, next year is it. So I don't know what he's going to be planning for his offseason. Personally, I was rooting for him. Um, when, and I definitely liked his uh, his demeanor, um, you know, his his attitude and, and his approach, you know, being a rookie, you know, with the Buffalo Bills and, and you know, trying to learn how to get better, um, how to play smart. Uh, and you're just wondering, right? We've got, we got all this young talent. Are the Buffalo Bills going to be you know, with young talent coming out of the draft, like some of these NBA teams that, you know, for example, the Orlando Magic, who I'm a fan of, they, I mean, for, I can give you history about this basketball team that would just draft fantastic players who then become NBA champions. Like, it happens like clockwork. Like, are 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 the Buffalo Bills going to become a farming team, you know, uh, for for other for other organizations, and they take them in and they just, you know, like no, I don't. I hope they do not become that. I think that needs to change at the defensive line. But unfortunately, AJ Epinesa may be, you know, part of that bad batch in that year. It is what it is. Uh, so here we go, number five. Okay, <laughs> this was really hard right? Um, I battled inside with a couple of players whom I just couldn't find enough evidence as to why they are expendable more than this player who is Matt Breida. Um, my question to the Bills, are you going to use him or not? You know, that's, that was my question. That's my question now going into next season, if they keep him or you know, that, not or, but that's why that was my question throughout this entire season that passed. Like, are you going to use him or not the entire season? Um, are you going to utilize him? Are you going to, you know, create a place for him? And, and it was always just limited and it was just very frustrating, but he had a couple of good, uh, you know, a couple of good plays. And I think he was wrongfully judged for, you know, when he did have that fumble against New England, I think the criticism was a little harsh. Um, I just feel as though he didn't get as involved as much as many had hoped. I mean, I, I looked at him getting out of Miami and number one, you know, you look at the tape coming from the Niners. I'm like, man, Matt Breida, like this is it. This is a guy who can get the bills over the top was not the case. Again, they got it wrong. And you know, and I'm wondering like who else, who else do you need? Because here we go. We got Cole Beasley. I was teeter-tottering about Cole Beasley because 
you know, I like what 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 else what what else more should I expect out of Cole Beasley, right? Um, he's not the player that's going to break it for a 50-yard run. He's going to be the guy who's going to get you the yards in, in the slot and maybe here and there get some yak. But um, And then I wonder to myself, okay, besides Cole Beasley and Matt Breida, who else is there? Okay, uh, in, in the biggest game of the season, right, against the Kansas City Chiefs, where was Emmanuel Sanders? I don't know. And, and, and isn't that so frustrating? Like, that was the reason we brought him in. Uh, we moved on from John Brown. Um, in some ways, I think he was an upgrade, but you know, when the proof was in the pudding, like (laughs) Josh Allen had to run the show and he utilized Gabe Davis for four touchdowns, whereas Emmanuel Sanders was nowhere to be found. I don't know if it was just the way the game plan had switched up because, you know, Honey Badger was out, but, um, in the regular season, I'm going to give that's. I guess that's the reason I'm, I'm honestly standing here is like because in the regular season when the Bills faced the Chiefs, Emmanuel Sanders showed up tremendously. I mean that beautiful pass over the top by Josh Allen, and Josh Allen's able to answer. So, I, I personally, if you're going to ask me, I'd rather get rid of Matt Breida over Cole Beasley and Emmanuel Sanders. You know, and that's my fifth player. So, um, you know. There are a lot of situations that the Bills are going to have to look at, you know, and they're going to have to learn from what happened last year, you know, how, how it went sideways and then how it got fixed. How, how, you know, how did, how did it get fixed? Because there definitely was a point in the season where I literally said to myself, okay, this isn't going to end at all how I expected and it's going to be very difficult to dissect exactly what went wrong and why it went wrong. It's difficult for everyone, right? Like how do you go from dominating the Kansas city chiefs in the regular season and then going toe to toe mano a mano with Patrick Mahomes and the chiefs and then allowing ridiculous plays to allow them to have life. And then lose the game with 13 seconds, um, you know, being the catalyst for that. And then you look at (laughs) the Cincinnati Bengals handle the Chiefs twice, come back from being down 21 to three, like what the hell went wrong? And what are the Bills not doing right? And this is why I wanted to talk about this topic because it's it's it this is going to bother us for the entire offseason um as Bills fans, right? Like where where do you pin it? Is it Sean McDermott? Like <laughs> cuz as far as I know, the McVay tree is running this damn show, man, and I'm freaking sick and tired of it. Like like what is it going to take? Who is it going to take? You know, is it the coaching staff? Is is it a player? Is it getting rid of players? <laughs> Process of elimination has begun, my has begun, my friends, and here we are, having to talk about who is expendable for the Buffalo Bills. I, I mean, it's it's just so crazy, right? Um, but this is what you feel like you have to do when you're searching for answers and you can't find any. You have a superstar Pro Bowl esque quarterback, um, who's always in, who's always going to be in the run for MVP, and now it's like okay. What else does he need? 
Is it Josh Allen? Like, it can't be Josh Allen. <laughs> what else does this, does the defense need? Do they, do they need, like, a Cam Chancellor at safety to just bring a bruising hit and cause fumbles? I don't, I don't know. Or do we just need the pass rusher? We're about to find out. Um, you know, this is a... I think this is going to be an off-season of all off-seasons. Because we're about to find out what this coaching staff is truly made of without Brian Dable and what Brandon Bean is actually going to be able to do in free agency, you know, and throughout the season to, you know, bring in talent and, you know, make the Bills become their potential that we all so believe and hope for. But yeah, so that's what I wanted to talk about today. You know, um, kind of a short podcast, but it, it, I think it's been a topic that has, it's, I, I feel like this topic is going to really start to get a lot of conversations going as, you know, a lot of podcasts end up doing that. And um, so, yeah, thank you guys so much for listening uh, to me again on Buffalo Rumblings. This is Buff Hub and I'm your host, Steve Vega. And to all the veterans and all the first responders out there, I salute you. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep your head up. Be strong out there. Um, if you have anyone who, who's around you, a neighbor, you know, first responder, um, in the military, you know, give them a pat on the back, say, thank you for your service. Um, you know, we're, we're definitely going through some trying times right now in this country. And, uh, you know, I, I it's an honor to serve it. Um, uh, my wife and I do. So I always want to put that in the podcast, no matter, you know, what I'm talking about, but yeah, thank you guys so much again. Have a great rest of your weekend. Go Bills.